So, yeah, we are uh, ending our series today on the kingdom, and so it's been seven weeks on the kingdom of God, and, and I hope you've been encouraged. I hope there's just been this deeper longing in you to know more about the king and the kingdom. Um, I want to do a little bit of a short recap, but uh, seven weeks ago, we introduced this idea of the kingdom of God and, and that it's, very, it's impossible to read um, the life of Jesus without coming across the kingdom of God. I think it's about 162 times the kingdom of God is mentioned in the Gospels, and, and it's important. So what is the good news? Jesus came announcing good news, and the good news is that the kingdom of God had arrived. And the climax of the kingdom of God coming was the cross. When Jesus the king is coronated, he's crowned king, he wears a crown of thorns, but he is giving up his life for the world, and it's just this incredible moment of coronation, the coronation of the king. Um, and then he's vindicated. Three days, three days later, he rises from the dead and he is crowned king. And this is, this is the moment when the kingdom of God came and, and, and Jesus then established his kingdom and is now welcoming the world to be part of his way, um, his path, his kingdom, his dominion. And, uh, and, and today we're going to look at how to receive the kingdom. But, but really the kingdom of God is, is the way in which God is healing a broken world. Some of you know that we've used the image of Japanese pottery, kintsugi, about a, a pot breaks and then as the Japanese potter puts it back together, um, there's a golden glue that, that, that holds the pot together. And, um, and it's, it's, it's this image of God taking, God is the great potter who takes broken pieces and puts it back together and making it even more beautiful than it was before, right? And just healing the world. And I think this is the image of the kingdom of God. There was uh, someone from our church named Warren um, who gave me a gift this past week. He's been listening, just like you, to the kingdom of God series. And and he works with wood, and, and he made me a cross, and, and uh, I should have brought it to show you here, but it's a beautiful cross. It's about this high. And he took 60 different pieces of wood, and he made it into a single cross um, just uh, to, to honor the, the image of the kingdom, 60 broken pieces, and puts it together to the, the, the image of the cross of Christ. See, this is what God is doing. I'm so thankful for him for using his art, artistic abilities with wood to make this beautiful cross. And, and Tim Mackey, a one uh, biblical scholar, says it this way. He says, the kingdom of God is how God is taking back his world, right? He's taking us back, and we have the option of turning and joining his kingdom. So today, week seven, the final week of the series, I want to ask the question, point blank, it's how do we receive the kingdom of God? Maybe for six weeks you've been intrigued, you've been interested, but then how do we receive the kingdom as a gift? Well, I want to ask this. What is the moment in life when you are most ready to receive help? Picture yourself. Maybe uh, some of you are like tinkering uh, on your car and uh, you break something and you're like, oh, okay, I need to call a mechanic. Some of you are trying to do your own plumbing in your house and uh, there's water everywhere and you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> I need a professional, right? Uh, what is the moment when you are, are, are doing something where you're like, done, I'm out, uh, I need someone to help? <laughs> come, and I need to receive help. Uh, I have two kind of a little bit more serious examples in my life. Um, it was about six, seven years ago that, um, uh, that I was just really in need of leadership help. Um, I, I, I said yes to being a pastor because I love teaching and I love people. Um, and I thought, that's all you need, right? <laughs> but then there was this whole thing about 
a church <laughs> and finances and staffing and elders and governance and all this stuff. And I just felt terrible at it, like just really bad at it. Um, and, and I just want you to know about six or seven years ago, I w did not know what I was doing. So I say that to you now. <laughs> it gives you a lot of confidence for how things were going six or seven years ago. No, uh, there's always been a great team, but I was feeling myself just really, really like I needed help. And so I, I was part of this program called Aero Leadership. And a part of the program, it was a year and a half long, they give you a coach. And I had the most amazing coach. His name was Keith. And Keith walked with me for a year and a half and, and taught me all about governance. And he, and he talked, me, taught me about leadership. And, but I was, man, I was coming to him hungry. I was coming to him like, okay, like I need help now. Like I was giving him live examples of like that staff meeting did not go well. Like, please help me. And he was helping me and he was coaching me. And, you know, like sometimes when somebody like put, connects you with like a mentor or a coach and you're kind of like, eh, I don't, I'm not really interested. Maybe I'll get a few nuggets. That was not my experience. My experience was like I was hanging off all, every word he said. I'm like, please help me. And it's this picture of, of coming like a sponge, right? There was another moment when, um, this was a couple years ago, and I've chatted with you guys about this before, but um, I walked through just a season of depression, and I was crying for no reason, and I really was not sure what was going on in my heart, and I felt like all tangled up, and I just felt sad for I couldn't pin it, you know, like you're trying to pin your emotions. I couldn't pin it, pin the emotion. And, um, and a friend of mine named Bob, who's a counselor, um, introduced me to his friend Pete, who's a counselor. And Pete sat with me and, um, and, uh, uh, and man, I was just, I needed every, I was just desperate. I was hungry. I was a sponge. And I, you know how like in counseling sessions, it's kind of like they're trying to get you to answer your own whatever. And I'm like, no, 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 you tell me, Pete. Tell me how to live my life. I'm not, it's like, well, what do you think? I don't know what I think. That's why I'm here. You tell me how to live. Um, anyway, he was gracious, you know. But, and, uh, you know, this, these are the moments where you come as a sponge and you're just like, I'm ready to receive. I need life. I need help. And I, and I want to offer those two pictures as, you know, what, what did you just hear in these three stories? Like, you, you heard three people who are sponges, right? Didn't we just see that? Three people going into the water who were like, I need Jesus. I started praying. I started opening. I started serving. I, you know, I opened up the Bible. I, I heard the gospel. It was like there was a sense of just like yearning for the king and the kingdom. And that's the posture today. That's what I want us to see. How do we receive the kingdom? Only when we see our need. Only when we see our need. When we come hungry for a better king, a better way, when we're desperate, when we come poor in spirit. So Jesus said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And so Jesus, we come and we're ready to repent and believe the good news. That your kingdom has arrived, that you are king, and we're ready to receive it. Would you show us how we receive the kingdom today, would you move in a beautiful way, no matter where we're at, for all of us who are feeling empty and dry, we pray that you would come and fill us with your love. And we pray this in your name, amen. So would you grab your Bible? Um, we are going to dive into Luke 8. Uh, a, a number of months ago, we were actually in the same passage, so we're revisiting it, Luke 8, and we're gonna look at verses four to eight, and then 11 to 15. Um, 
just if you are new to Jesus, uh, just so you know, Jesus would often teach in what are called parables. They were like little stories that described um, life in the kingdom of God. And, uh, and so oftentimes Jesus uh, would not explain the parable. So he'd just tell the story and people were left scratching their heads being like, what was that? And, uh, but there were some times where he explained the parable where he'd gather his followers and be like, okay, let me tell you what that was about. And this is one of those moments where he explains the parable. So we're going to read uh, the parable, and then we'll read the explanation when Jesus explains it. So this is the parable of the sower. And so Luke 8, verses 4 to 8, then 11 to 15. Here we go. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told them this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. All right, down to verse 11. Jesus explains the parable. He says this. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. This is the word of the Lord. All right, well, if you have your Bible still open, would you turn back to the first verse of that chapter? Chapter 8, verse 1, what's the context uh, where Jesus teaches this parable? Well, read this. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the, say it, kingdom of God. God. So this this is all about the kingdom of God. So he tells this parable, and people are hearing the good news of the kingdom. So this is all about the kingdom. And in Greco-Roman teaching, just so you know, it was very popular to tell stories like this, where the sower is the teacher, the seeds are the teaching, and the soil is the heart. So the sower is the teacher, the seeds are the teaching, and the soil is the heart. And so the question you would need to begin to ask yourself is, you see the teacher, And you see him scattering the seeds, this good news of the kingdom of God. And what's the state of your heart? What does the soil look like in your heart? Are you ready to receive the seeds of the teaching? Now, we'll notice that Jesus is not impressed by large crowds. He just isn't. That's the best thing about Jesus. He, he only cares. Okay, so he loves everyone, but he, he only cares about people who are actually listening, who are like leaning in, who are like, tell me more. I want to know more. That's why he tells these parables. He's like, I, 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 I want to I zone in on those who care. Who are the people that have good soil, who are ready to receive this message? So think about the four soils. Soil number one is what? It's, it's hard heart, right? Nothing, like if I drop a seed on that, bing, just pings off, right? There's zero 
uh, going into your life. And he's saying, then a bird comes and snatches it away, right? And it's, it's this the reality of your heart. As you've been following Jesus, maybe some of you felt like you were in a place years ago where you were way more open to the teachings of Jesus, and you find that it's becoming harder and harder, right? By the way, we're just going to give you hope. By the end of this sermon, hopefully, hopefully you'll hear the good news that the Spirit of God is really good at tilling the soil, you know, breaking ground, even with a jackhammer. You know, He does this in our life. So if you feel calloused, if you feel hard-hearted, I think even this morning, the Spirit of God could soften your heart, could break you, right? So is this you, soil number one? Or soil number two, this is the image of a, a, a little seed that started to grow, and, but it didn't have deep roots. And so some kind of trouble, persecution, hardship hit. Uh, it's just like the bright sun, you know, the heat came um, and they withered. So they withered away. And maybe this is your story. You're like, you know, I feel like I was growing in my faith, but then some hardship came, the heat was turned up, and I kind of just withered. And, you know, I just want to give you good news. Just so you know, the gardener's here. He's in the room, and he's ready to garden and, and, uh, and to replant these seeds and so that they would grow healthy and strong. So what's the problem with the soil number two? There's tons of rocks, right? So it's, it's shallow, right? And so he's able to remove the rocks so that you would have a deep faith so that when the heat is cranked in your life, you're not going to fall away, right? Soil number three, this might be you. Uh, there's worries in life. And these worries in life are like um, some other weeds that are growing. So you've got your faith growing, but then there's like these weeds that are growing, and there's these thorns that are growing. And the problem is that when weeds and thorns grow, which Jesus describes as worries, uh, kind of the deceitfulness of wealth, uh, pleasures, distractions, basically all kinds of distractions. When these distractions grow, they're like weeds and thorns. And what they do is they crowd out faith, right? So you no longer have access to the light of the truth of God. You have no access to the, to the, to the pouring out of the rain of the Holy Spirit, the living water upon your life. Uh, and the nutrients of the soil are getting sapped by these other plants. And so, you know, you're not growing, and you would, maybe you're coming here today and you're going, yeah, totally. The worries of life, the, the deceitfulness of wealth, the worries about wealth. I mean, we're all in it, you know. Um, distractions, pleasures. I mean, you name it. These things are just growing in my life. And it's crowding out my faith in Christ. And you know what's good? Good news today? The gardener's here. And he's ready. Uh, he's got some roundup that he's ready to just like... That's probably not the right image. He's ready to pull... Chemicals, I don't know, whatever. Some of you are gardeners and you're like, God would never use Roundup. I'm like, okay. <laughs> organic. So some organic way of, you know, pulling the weeds, getting rid of them, you know. And he would do that. He, he will do that in your life, right? He will pull the weeds and, uh, and give you a healthy place to grow. All right, and now some of you might be soil number four, and you're just like, man, actually, it's amazing. I just feel like God is moving in my life. I feel like I'm growing the fruit of the Spirit, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, like more of these things are happening. I feel like this desire to actually spread the good news with my family and friends, my coworkers. I feel like there's these cool answers to prayer, like God is moving. And for you, maybe you need to come today and just go, thank you, God. I'm just coming to you with praise and more. I want more. <laughs> I want it to be like exponential growth um, in the soil of my heart. And so that's beautiful too. So where are you at? 
Well, I want to focus on soil number four, because I think all of us in the room are like, that's what we want, right? How can we get there? How can we have a heart made of good soil? How can we have that kind of heart that where we receive the kingdom of God and it's going to grow? Well, Jesus says in Luke 8, 15, this, he says, the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. Okay, here it is. Who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So what does good soil look like? Well, it's someone who hears it, retains it, holds on to it, and perseveres in it. So what kind of person is this? They're hungry. They're hungry. They're hungry to hear. They're hungry to hold on. They're hungry to persevere. They have a really good heart. They're, they're ready to hear the message of the kingdom of God. Like I mentioned earlier with my leadership coach and counselor, like it, we come as a sponge, right? And this is, this is the posture of, a, of good soil, right? They're just a sponge. They're ready to receive the light of God's truth. They're ready to receive the reign of the Holy Spirit. Um, they're, they're ready for it. Now, I want to ask, have you come today hungry for the king and the kingdom? Are you coming like a sponge? If not, it's okay. God's here. He can do a new work in you. So I want us to keep diving into what good soil looks like, and I want us to th see three images, three images that Jesus uses, uh, not in the parable of the sower, but elsewhere in the New Testament, to describe receiving the kingdom. And I think what he's doing is he's describing good soil, what good soil looks like. And so I have three things. So we receive the kingdom through repentance, poverty of spirit, and like a child. Can you guys say those three things? Here we go. repentance, poverty of spirit, and like a child. By the way, a good friend pointed out to me, these are all kind of, they're the same idea. So, you know, don't feel like you got to, you know, throughout your whole week, remember all three. It's the same idea. It's the same message here. So uh, let's dive into these. Number one, uh, image number one, good soil looks like repentance. Repentance. I find that's a really popular word these days. Everyone's using it. Repentance. Just joking. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So in Hebrew, the word repent is to turn, to turn around, to turn back. Uh, we're walking one way according to our own kingdom, and we turn back around and follow Jesus and his kingdom. So I've got my kingdom, and this is, this is, this is my business. I'm in charge. I'm the king of my kingdom. And then I turn, and it involves my whole life, and I turn and I follow Jesus, the king. Um, it's simply a matter of turning around. This is repentance. Um, if you're new to Jesus, sometimes you wonder, you're like, how do I join the Jesus movement? Like, how do I become a Christian? Like, what, what is it that I'm supposed to do? And you, you might wonder, is there kind of a religious test or quiz or a final exam that you have to take to join the kingdom? Maybe there's an official mantra or a magic code or like a secret formula or something like that. Um, I want to borrow an image uh, that I heard from Pastor John Ortberg, uh, reminding me of, uh, of the image of uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, you know, and so when I was a teenager, I loved that movie. Um, but uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, there's this, you know, it's all a big joke. But um, King Arthur is on a quest. He's on a quest. And he, uh, he and his team uh, arrive at this gatekeeper uh, who controls a bridge. They've got to cross a bridge. And the gatekeeper is there. And, um, and he won't let anyone by until they answer the right questions. They've got to get it right. 
And so he always asks a series of questions. The first two are the same, but the third one is always different. And so he says, what is your name? What is your quest? And what is your favorite color, right? And so the people that get it wrong, they are tossed into the abyss. Really encouraging uh, scene. Uh, and so, you know, they fall into the abyss. And, uh, and so King Arthur, it's his turn. And so he comes to the gatekeeper and the gatekeeper says, stop, what is your name? And King Arthur says, it's Arthur, King of the Britons. And the gatekeeper says, what is your quest? And King Arthur says, to seek the Holy Grail. And the gatekeeper says, what is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? And King Arthur pauses and he says, well, what do you mean? African or European swallow? At which the gatekeeper doesn't know and ah, he's thrown into the abyss. And uh, King Arthur can pass through. And sometimes it might feel like Christianity is like that. You know, there's this gatekeeper. It's like, you got to say the right thing at the right moment, right? And, uh, but there's, no, there's not a magic code here, secret question when it comes to Jesus. Jesus simply says, repent, turn, turn around. That's it. You know, a secret code would be easier, right? A magic formula, it'd be a little bit easier. It wouldn't require your whole life. But to follow Jesus is, is turning, it's repentance. Turning away from the world, which is the sinful, powerful, often tempting, ultimately deadly kingdoms of the world, and turning to the king, turning to Jesus. C.S. Lewis says that repentance is, quote, simply a description of what going back is like. That's it. You're going back home. You're going back to your true king. Some of you who know the parable of the prodigal son, that's what it is. It's repentance. It's coming home, coming back to your father. And so Jesus says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And I want to ask you, are you repenting? Do you have an ongoing habit of turning back to Jesus? You know, is this something that comes natural to you? That you go, when I, when I, when I, have, when I turn from Jesus, I, I am in the habit of turning back. Like, I, I know I need him. And you know you need him. And there's a habit of turning. See, that's good soil. That's how we receive the kingdom of God. All right, image number two, poor in spirit. Poor in spirit. To be poor in spirit is to have a heart, good soil. Jesus is very clear about the kind of person who receives the kingdom. The opening line to his Sermon on the Mount, he says this, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit receive the kingdom. So what does that mean? What's, what's poor in spirit? What is, what is that about? Well, poor is the Greek word tokos. So say that to your neighbor, tokos. Being economically disadvantaged, begging, dependent on others for support. So Jesus is saying, this is what you should look like. <laughs> it's the opening line to his sermon. He's like, this is it. When you look at your life spiritually and you go, oh, I'm begging for help. <laughs> I cannot do this. I recognize my utter need for God. I'm coming begging. I'm coming dependent upon God for support. He's like, blessed are you. When, you, when you're in that place, right on. You're in a good spot because you fully see your need for me. So I love Jesus. You know, this, this is what I think he's saying. He's saying this. Blessed are you when you come begging spiritually because you get the kingdom. Blessed are you when you're empty when you're run dry, when you're so thirsty, when you're all out of steam, when you got no more energy, when you come with empty hands, 
when your pockets are totally empty, when you feel like you don't have what it takes, blessed are you. All of you who feel like you don't have what it takes spiritually, blessed are you because you're ready to receive the kingdom. You're, you're actually, you are actually in a great place because it's the prideful and the self-sufficient that don't see their need for the king. But you see your need. Blessed are you. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So we can't learn until we're empty, right? We're not going to come like a sponge to Jesus unless we actually see our need. One of, my, one of the best memories I have with my father-in-law who passed away this last year and the thing I miss was golfing with him. Um, you know, I could never, you know, rationalize paying for golf, but he always paid, so that was good. <laughs> so we would, I would only golf when he would pay. So, um, so that was our memory, him and I golfing together. And uh, we would, you know, I, I remember, I have so many memories of golfing with him in Palm Springs. And, you know, I think I've told you this before, but they have all these tile roofs and they're on the golf course. It just doesn't make any sense because there's people like me that have a wicked slice. It's just like, it's just like, it's like, wait for it. You know, it's like, okay, that was somebody's roof. Uh, and I just could not fix my slice. I mean, to this day. And just so you know, some of you are like really good at golf and you think you'd be able to teach me. You won't be able to teach me. <laughs> I cannot learn the lesson. It's weird. And then, when you, and then some of you are golfing, you angle different and you're like, all right. So I know that it goes like this. So I'm going to turn. It's when you turn, it's when you hit it straight. You know this, right? And then I'm, I'm hitting it into a completely different fairway. Anyway, um, so this is the deal. I blame the ball. So when the ball goes off, I just go, what a dumb ball, and yell at the ball. And sometimes we throw clubs. This is something that happens in the, in the sport of golf. And uh, is, it the, is the ball the problem? <laughs> is, is the club the problem? I, I project the problem onto the ball and the club, right? Uh, the problem is me, right? I've, I, I, I am doing this poorly. And what I need is a coach to come line up my life and to really break some habits that I have and actually teach me to swing properly. It's a breaking down in order to build back up and, and, uh, and I need a coach, right? And I think this is an image of the kingdom of God. Like, I can never learn anything if I think I've got it and I just continue to blame the ball on the golf club. And just so you know, many of us as Christians, we are never the source of the problem. Never. If you find that you are never the source of the problem, there's a problem, <laughs> right? And if, if you're always projecting, it's somebody else, somebody else, something else, right? Uh, there's no humility, but it's only the one who humbles themselves and comes under the coach, and the coach is able to actually change their lives. This is the kingdom of God. This is God putting us back together. We come humble. We come poor in spirit. And so I just want to ask, do you see how poor in spirit you really are? Do, do you have a habit of coming to Jesus saying, I'm so sorry for my sin. I, 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 my life is not oriented the right way. I need you. I need you to fill me, to teach me, to break me down and to mold me again. That's good soil. That's good soil. That's how you receive the kingdom. All right, image number three, final image. Like a child. Like a child. To be someone who has a heart made of good soil, is to receive the kingdom like a little child. Jesus says that children are the perfect picture of what it looks like to receive the kingdom. He says this in Matthew 18. Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. 
What does that mean? Well, Pastor Daryl Johnson says that Jesus uses children as a picture of those who can inherit the kingdom, not because of their innocence, oh, they're so innocent, or something like that, right? But because of their incompetence. (laughs) A baby is incompetent. You know, it's like, that sounds rude, but like, it can't walk, can't feed itself, right? It's completely incompetent. Uh, Kids are totally cute. You know, your kids are cute. Uh, Your grandchildren, I'm sure, are cute. You can show me pictures later. Um, I'm sure I'd love to see all of them. Nikki Gumbel in the, in the Alpha Course quotes someone who once said to Winston Churchill, Winston, have I told you about my grandchildren? And he said, no, you haven't, and I'm so grateful to you for that. <laughs> anyway, Jesus is using this picture of children to communicate total dependence. Think about a baby totally dependent on its mother for nutrition for milk, for, for being fed, for, for, for shelter. Uh, you know, both parents are trying to make sure that they stay away from pain and don't trip and fall downstairs and whatever. Like, this baby needs help. Um, and, and, and they're totally dependent. And I think this is what Jesus is getting at, right? They need their parents. And, and this posture of dependence is what it looks like to follow Jesus in the kingdom. Only when you are like a little child, like a baby, like a toddler, right? Spiritually is, is the only moment where you're going to get it. It's the, it's the moment where you will see that all of this is a gift. You cannot save yourself. You cannot do this. This is total dependence. We don't just need the kingdom. We need the king. The king is a father, the father who's a king. And most of the time I do the opposite. I'm like, okay, God, I've decided this is how I'm going to live my life, and I need you to bless it. I need you to validate it. It's like the validate your parking. I need you to, you know, and I've decided. And this is how we, I mean, and it might be good to think about how we're praying. How are you praying? So Lord God, I just pray that you would bless this thing and just would you make it happen? Would you, and it's kind of like, okay, I think this is the, maybe our prayer should work the other way around. Lord God, we're coming. Would you give us your wisdom? Show us how to do this. Keep me from things that are not your will. You know, I don't just want you to validate and bless my kingdom. (laughs) I want your kingdom. It's really interesting. This is a very tiny little story. It's not much of a story, but just the other morning I was having a quiet moment with the Lord and um, I was feeling lots of anxiety and and there were some puzzling pieces that were going on in my life and I was just trying to sort through some things and and I had this anxiety and um, there was this moment where I suddenly sensed like my father in the room and I said, father, I said it out loud. I was like, father. <laughs> there was this moment where I just, I sensed his nearness. Like I could tell he was with me. And it's not like anything in my life was like fixed, quote unquote, in that moment. But it was like I knew I had him, you know? And it makes a profound, this peace came over me. It's like, all right, I'm not alone. <laughs> I'm totally dependent. I'm not alone. Thank God I'm not alone. You know, I have a father. I have a father who's for me. And it's weird, right? Because we say that all the time. Good, good father. But there are moments, and I know that some of you have felt this, where you're like, oh, I know that I have a father. There are these moments that are profound, and you know you're not alone. So we come as children. So, So let's piece this together. Remember, all three of these images are getting at the same idea. All Each of these images Repentance, poverty of spirit, 
and coming like a child. It's what it looks like to receive the kingdom. It's what it looks like to be good soil. So do you see how those are all connected? How are they connected? It's all about being hungry. It's all about hunger, coming dependent. So I think this is our prayer. Jesus, I've arrived at a place where I cannot do this. I've seen enough of myself to know that I am not a good guide for my life. I need you. I need you daily. I need to live under your authority and your rule and your kingship and your dominion. And I choose to turn and to come with empty hands and to come like a child. I'm ready to receive your kingdom. And I need the great coach and the great counselor to guide me, to break me down, to teach me and to fill me. See, this is our posture, North Langley. We come hungry. I think of the words of that worship song from the 90s that we would sing often, but we sing it sometimes here, hungry. Hungry I come to you, for I know you satisfy. I'm empty, but I know your love does not run dry. So I want to ask a question. Do you want him? It's a very serious question. I know it sounds simple, but it's a serious question. Do you want him? We, we don't just want the kingdom, we want the king. So what I want to do is just slowly walk through these soils. Would you join me in prayer? Maybe it's helpful if you want to close your eyes, spend some time thinking about where you're at today. I want to bring these four soils to mind. Maybe just in your mind's eye, you can see this field. There's the sower. He's throwing out seeds. Now picture it. What do you see when you look at your own heart? What does the Spirit of God want to show you? Are you soil number one? You've got a hard heart. You've got a hard heart, if you're honest. And maybe your prayer today is, oh God, break me. Even if it takes a jackhammer just to break open the concrete, till the soil, break new ground, Maybe that's you. Maybe that's your prayer. Maybe your soil number two, you, you feel like you've got a rocky heart. You know, you feel like this time of testing, this heat has come. And you feel your faith withering. And what you need is the great gardener to come and remove the stones from your heart. And he's delighted to do it. He's delighted to grow deep roots of faith. Maybe some of you feel like you're a thorny, thorny soil or soil with weeds. You feel so distracted. Worries, pleasures, riches, distractions, all of it is just, it's just keeping you from growing in your faith. And you don't want that. You want the great gardener to come and remove the weeds and to remove the thorns and to heal you. And some of you are coming soil number four and you're, you're just, you're so thankful to God for the fruit in your life. And for you, maybe it's just thanking him and coming with so much joy and thankfulness and maybe just praying more, more God. <laughs> more, would you keep multiplying this faith in my life? Where are you at, North Langley? Where are each of you at? Earlier in the parable, did you see the gospel? Just with your eyes closed, can you see the gospel in this parable? 
Pastor Tim Keller points out these beautiful things about the gospel. First of all, see the cross. Jesus is the seed who died and went down, was buried into the soil so that we might live. Do you see the thorns? He wore the thorns upon his own brow that the soil of your heart might be healed from the thorns and the curse of sin. And do you see Easter morning? God is in the business of rolling stones away. He's got the power to roll those stones out of your life. Removing the rocks, he's got the power to do it. Can we stand together? Let's stand. We're going to sing. Before we sing, I want to just let you know a few things. You're welcome to come forward. We're going to have a few people here to receive you for prayer. Just so you know, the one prayer request is simply this. I want the kingdom. I want the king in the kingdom. Jesus, would you come fill my life? It doesn't matter what soil you are. It's just more. We want more of you, God. I'm coming like a sponge. You can just come say that. I'm a sponge. I'm ready to receive the kingdom. I have to walk forward to receive the kingdom. Some of you, we might be praying with some people, so if you need to come kneel, that's okay. Um, Sometimes we feel like that's an embarrassing thing. Don't be embarrassed by that. Just come forward. You can kneel and you can just say, this is my expression, Jesus, of just, I want to be a sponge. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. Like those people who were baptized, um, I'm coming and I'm ready to receive. I want the fullness of who you are. I want want you to remove the pride of my heart and the self-sufficiency of my heart. And I want to receive all that you are. Would you just come forward? Our prayer team will also be in the prayer room. Maybe you can pray for each other. We want this whole room to become a prayer room. Don't rush away. Um, I know I preach longer than I should have, but just God's here. (laughs) And so he wants to do something in you. And so uh, let's not leave this place without an encounter with him. And so we would ask and pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come, that you would move in this room. God, I lift up my friends to you. Would you plow up the hard ground? Would you just till the soil? Would you just remove all of that hard-heartedness from our lives? Would you remove the stones? Be the great one who rolls stones away. Um, These stones have sunk deep into our hearts. And so Holy Spirit, come and remove those stones. We ask that you would come and like a great gardener that you would pull out the weeds, um, all kinds of weeds and thorns in the soil of our heart. And Lord, that this summer would just be a summer of deep growth in you, that, that this whole church would grow deeply and just love following you and that there would just be this rich fruit that grows this summer where children hear about you and marriages are restored and that there is just hope and freedom to those who are walking through addiction and uh, those who just need a touch from you and need to be reminded of your love. Holy God, we pray that you would come and pull those weeds and thorns that so easily choke us. And we pray that you would just till some beautiful soil this summer and that this summer would be a summer of abundant growth, like multiplied growth. And we love you and we trust you. Oh, great gardener, come and do your thing here among us. Amen.